Okay, can actually, can you angle your, your mic down a little bit? It's down. It's right into my mouth. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. That's perfect. That's lower than my mouth. No, it's not. Your okay, mouth, okay. Believe me, your mouth is very big. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. And uh, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come on, let's brainstorm. Just hit record. Well, let's it is. Do it. It's recording. It's All live. Right, okay, let's just we... go in. Welcome. And... Let's go. <laughs> and... okay. Hey there, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh, God. Oh, oh, this is going to go already. great. This is going great. Yeah. That silence you just heard was me thinking about welcoming you to this episode of AT Banter, because today's episode is about brainwaves. Which we're having trouble with right now. <laughs> There's not, yeah, if we had a Muse headset right now, it would not be, it would not be showing a lot of activity. <laughs> I am Rob Minow, and today I am joined by Ryan Flurry. Hello. And... A special once guest. again, well, once again, back from her debut on the comic book episode, we have Rachel Nolan. Hello, again. She's back, only because we have a gun yep. and we are holding it to her head. <laughs> uh, no, she is sitting in for Steve Barkley, who is currently sitting on a jury somewhere. Uh, he got he got pinned on uh, jury duty. Which is exciting. Probably not. No. Probably not at all. All right. So, welcome to the show. Um, episode 11. How do you feel about that, Ryan? I'm excited. Are you? I was actually thinking about our 20th. Really? We've got people booked in the mid-September now, so we're going to hit 20 pretty easily. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, this is show 11, however. Oh, you know what? We should uh, stop... For a moment and thank elaine holtham for her uh her appearance last week thanks a, elaine yeah it was a really good show all right so today uh we're going to do something a little different we're mainly going to talk about some of the technology that exists and what it could maybe do in the future and specifically we're going to be talking about the brain and uh brain waves and devices that measure brain waves and how those are being experimented and, and the trials that they're doing now and, and what it might look like in the future. So, I thought this was about pinky in the brain. If only. Oh, wait. You know what? We could use it. Okay, wait. Hold on. Do you have sound clips? No, I don't have sound oh, clips. Damn, but wait, but check, this out. But check this out what we can do with this new mixer. So I can do something like... Brain, so today, brain, brain, brain. we're going to be talking... new? It yeah, is new. new mixer. Oh, weird. Yeah, don't tell Linda, though. We'll have to edit that out now, too. <laughs> she listens to this, doesn't she? No. Ryan did not buy this. Incident. That's right. Uh, yeah, so we can do something like today, or we're going to be talking about the, the future. Future, future, future. <laughs> Isn't that cool? cool? Yeah, that cool. I know, right? When did you get that? A couple weeks ago. 
Okay. Hmm. Okay. So. And Bob likes CFX. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's a lie. Do the reverb. Which, uh, so, oh, well, which one is that? So wait, wait hold on. on. You want to be in a concert hall? Okay. Oops. <laughs> Me. Okay, anyways. Oh, hold on. Now we're in a Moves cave. An now we're in a cave. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Aroga Studios in a cave. <laughs> so you can play with that all day. All right, oh. anyways. <laughs> okay, so. You might, uh, so, I don't know, what did you think about this topic, Ryan, before we, we start diving into it? I honestly wasn't really sure we could actually talk about this topic, just because it can go so deep, and I am not a scientist, nor a neuroscientist, and some of this stuff is just way over my head. Yeah, some of it, well, most of it actually is all over, I think, all of our heads, mm-hmm. um, but what isn't over our head is just some of the devices and stuff that are out there. So we may not be able to dive too far into how they all work. Uh, I mean, we'll try. We'll certainly try to do it justice. Um, but the fact that this stuff, some of this stuff is out there, I mean, I know researching this it surprised me. I had no idea some of this, some of this tech was, was even available uh, on a consumer level. Uh, let alone some of the really the really exciting deep research like the uh, the prosthetics that we're going to talk about. Really amazing, and I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting twenty to thirty years uh, if we don't end up having resource wars and turn into like Mad Max. But the oceans don't turn into acid, and all the icebergs melt. It's already happening. Volcanoes, and Earth we can breaks. make it through that. There's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, on the horizon. So, Rachel, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> We've left the planet great, great. condition. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks. We had a great that. time in the, 90s, in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> Anyways, we have digressed once again. All right. To the brain. <laughs> to the brain. First of all, I guess we'll, we'll start talking about a, a specific set of devices that are out there that are called EEG devices. And what does EEG stand for? I was afraid that you were going to ask me that. Because I can't pronounce it. I can. Well, you know what? It actually made more sense when I saw the video because the way it's, I guess, broken down here kind of confused me. But Okay, that's how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> electro. So, okay, I go ahead. Rachel's going to take I this. I think it's just electroencephalography because... Yeah, my God, that was amazing. Right. Well, in, encepho... I don't know actually the short term, but like, for example, if someone... With the whole Zika virus thing, for example, the babies are born, um, like it's called encephaly or whatever, and it has to do with brain size. Right. Right. Okay. So that's the root word, I guess. That's amazing. Okay. Say that one more time. Electroencephalography. See, I want to say snuffleupagus. (laughs) Yes. That is what EEG stands for. Um, And basically what what these devices do is they, I mean, they've been around since... I don't even know. Uh, I would imagine the 50s and the 60s. And on TV shows, you know, you've probably seen, you know, somebody with their head shaved and a bunch of electrodes attached to their head. Um, That's this technology. The difference now is that the technology has gotten so good that there are devices out there that can measure brain patterns and brain waves that really just act as headsets or you can just put them on. Um, it doesn't require um, being attached to anything. A lot of these are wireless. Um, 
basically the way it works is that we, you have electrodes that are placed on the surface of somebody's head, and these electrodes measure the electrical signals that are produced by the brain's neurons through the scalp. So what's happened in the past two years is that they've been able to take this EEG technology, um, something that was really only available in a lab or in a hospital, and package it into a consumer-level headset. So there's a few companies that, that have these devices out there right now. And, you know, I thought we'd, we, we could talk about a, a bit about each of them in turn. So the first is by a company called NeuroSky. And they make something that's called the MindWave mobile headset. And they've been around since 2011. Uh, so quite a while that they've been developing this thing. Uh, and we'll have, a, we'll have a link to the website and, uh, you know, in the show notes so that you can actually go take a look at it, at it. But it's basically, you know, a headset that fits around the head and there is a sensor that kind of um, is placed right on the right-hand side of the forehead. It only has the one sensor, which makes it sort of the most limited out of all these headsets. And But it's also the cheapest. I mean, it retails for about 100 bucks. You can buy them on Amazon, right, Ryan? Uh, I didn't look at the this one, but I, I could see the Muse on Amazon. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, it's out there as well. Yeah. And like you say, with the one sensor, you know, you're limited to the amount of sensitivity it's going to give you or the brain activity it's going to give you because of its localization to the, just that one part of the section of the brain. Right. Kind of like a Fitbit almost. Well, it is exactly like a Fitbit. And that's, you know, that's actually a really good analogy because really, essentially, this is another another biofeedback device. That's really its its main use. That's That's how it's marketed. And really, it can measure brain state so it can tell if you're if you're focused it can tell I, I think to a degree it might even be able to read emotions although the the marketing material was a little vague on that um, really it's its main purpose is um, as a tool to help you to help you be able to f concentrate better so the way it'll work is that you know, you have this thing on, it's tied to an app or a computer program, and it will tell you, it'll show you sort of your brain state, and it'll, it'll show you what parts of your brain are, are functioning at the moment, and it, that will translate into being able to tell you how focused you are or what you're, um, you know, if you're distracted by something. I mean, there's a ton of apps for this thing. I mean, it's been, it's been in development since 2011, and out of all these headsets, this one is actually the one I went and took a look at at sort of their app store, and they actually do have about fifty or sixty different types of apps huh. for this. Um, you know, a lot of them are pretty simplistic. Some of them are free. They usually run around six, seven bucks. Um, some of them are just concentration games. Mm -hmm. Some of them are um, things like being able to take a picture with your smartphone by blinking. But essentially, it's kind of a neat. It's, it seems like a, a neat entry-level device um, and there there definitely are some neat things you can do with it some of these apps I mean you can do things like limited you can control you can try to control something like a remote control car with your mind but really the, the, the some of these other headsets are a little better more geared for that 
Right. I think this product, I didn't look at the app store, but it's probably more tailored towards the focus and meditation type. Just looking at your brain activity and just trying to regain your focus. Right. So I, I think the thing to take away from, from some of this is just the fact that we're to a point now where we can measure our brain states using a $100 device off, off Amazon, which is kind of amazing in itself. And again, I had no idea these, these things were around, right? But they've managed to get the sensors you know, sensitive enough and able to pick up um, the brain activity to a degree that, that you know, it's, it's a $100 headset that fits around your head without having to shave your head or apply gel or any of these other things that you used to have to do to really get um, a feel for what the brain was doing. Another, another one of these products is something called the Muse headband. And this thing is really like, it's really tailored towards the meditation market. Um, and it's about 500 bucks on Amazon. Is that how much it is? I thought it was, yeah, it was like four, four twenty-eight or something. So right. Canadian. Right. So this, this has a little bit, this device has a little bit more meat to it. It has actually has seven sensors on it. And, but again, it's the concept is the same. It's a headband. You just, you, you put it around your head and it will track your mental state over time. And using their app, it, they tout that it will help you improve your ability to relax or focus over the course of a day. And it'll track It'll track all this. So kind of like a Fitbit where it, where Fitbit tracks your calories, it tracks how much, how far you're walking, your heart rate. This is going to track your mental state, how well you're going to focus, um, what, under what conditions you're focusing best. So, you know, it could be used in an educational setting where you can, you can, um, gauge how well you're focusing under what conditions or what time of the, what time of the day you study the best because it'll track just how, how well you're focusing. Um, was this the one where um, they said it could pinpoint interests and things like that? Or was that a different one? No, that's right. That's, that's this one. Yeah. So that'd be helpful in an educational setting as well. Absolutely. You know, you know, it can, it can show you, you know, uh, do, do I study better or am I more focused, you know, with music on right. or am I more focused, you know, in the, you know, in a dimly lit room as opposed to a brightly lit room at seven o'clock at night versus first thing in the morning, you could you could gauge and track all these things and be able to to or optimize just, or just to see what teaching methods work best for certain students. Well, yeah. I think myself too. Like if I would have worn something like this in phys ed, my brain would have been super active. If I would have worn something like this in social studies, there'd be no brain activity. Right. Right. So it's a matter, of, I guess, what's stimulating you as well. Yeah, exactly. And when we, we talk about the emotive headset, um, you know, these people have actually used the words neural marketing, which to me is slightly chilling, but but it's the same kind of idea, being able to track brain states and, and being able to track what's engaging to somebody and what's not. You know, it has a lot of marketing potential as well. But, you know, that really doesn't play much into what we're going to be talking about, which is more of an AT angle to some of this, some of these devices. But really, I guess the point of this is just to, to try to indicate what's out there right now, what the technology is, and the potential of how it could possibly be used in an AT environment. So, yeah, so that's the Muse. Um, 
you know, again, it's it's sort of on the I think the lower end of the scale in terms of. Um, although I didn't realize it was five hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe it's it. maybe it's not. Maybe it's well, it's well, Canadian it's got, dollars yeah. though. Yeah. So that's why because yeah. the yeah, video like, said like three hundred or exactly something. So that US, makes sense. Five hundred Canadian. I don't know how many apps are available, <clears> but like you said, it's got the seven sensors. You know, it seems to be touting itself for relaxation and meditation purposes. Really, yeah. the the sort of the the as far as I'm as far as I can see, the the leaders in this type of technology is a company called Emotive. Emotive, they've been around since about t- uh, 2010, and their latest headset is something called the Epoch Plus, which has 14 channels, and from what I can see, it, it actually has the potential to be able to be used as a BCI, which... Uh, what Ryan, is BCI? What is BCI, Ryan? Why don't you tell us? BCI stands for Brain Computer Interface. That's right. How the heck did you know that? <laughs> I researched. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that before last no. week. I'd never heard that term at all, but it's all over the place when you start doing some research. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? All right. Well, the Epoch Plus, like I said, it has 14 channels, and they actually refer to it as a research-grade device, which, which seems to indicate that that's where it's mainly marketed towards. They also have a, they have a lighter version of the headset that's called the Insight 5 that has five channels that retails for around the same price as something like the Muse. And it's more of a, it's more of a um, recreational sure, yeah. device, kind of like the Muse, probably relaxation, meditation, focus, and just brain tracking. That's right. That's right. But the Epoch Plus is, what's neat about that is that um, because of all the extra sensors, it's able to pull a little bit more data than the other ones. And the developed apps apps can, can do a little bit more um, because it really allows... A user to be able to do something like uh, operate, say, a remote control car um, using the mind. And it's it's a little hard to actually explain how this is working. I mean, really what you, you have to do is, is watch the videos. But essentially what how the, the headset will work is that when you put it on, you have to train the headset to teach it what your brain looks like when you are thinking of, say, pushing something. Like, so you, you, you train the headset and the software attached to the headset to recognize your brain state in that push thought. And what it does is that from then on, whenever you think of push, it will signal, say, the remote control car to go forward. Or the other examples that they've used is can say control mouse clicks or control uh, uh, rudimentarily control um, any sort of remote control device. So, you know, I've seen videos on drones. I've seen videos on remote control cars. Um, it's still really pretty rudimentary um, and not, you can't really get really super fine motor control using it because while you can make a car go forward thinking of push, the only way to really make it stop is to stop thinking about push. And that's not really an easy thing to do. 
Yeah, they made it sound like you can't just simply think of the word go. Like you like you said, you have to train not only the headset, but your brain to, I guess, more visualize it or something. I guess it's hard to describe unless you're actually doing it, but that's the sense I got anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just as simple as saying go and then stop and, you know, it's or, or left and right. Like there, there's definitely some some training that you have to do with the headset and it's you know it's pretty limited so it's not like you can you can operate a car and you know drive it around flawlessly and drive it back and forth and left and right and in circles and like it's it's you know because of the way that that these and you know we haven't talked much about the limitations of these particular devices in regards to you know the overall brain but we will but uh, while these devices are pretty neat and you know i think that they could serve as some um alternate access methods you know we talked a lot about communication devices last week and we talked a little bit about about different access methods and how people who you know, are, are, you know, quadriplegic, you know, and they have things like head pointing systems or they have eye gaze systems to operate a mouse. Well, this could, could potentially be used in that sense. Part of the trouble with, with EEG devices like these is that because you're, you don't have, the sensors aren't in direct contact on the brain. So you, you do exactly right, Ryan, you have you have your skull in the way and it's really only able to read surface level activity on the brain so and and only really able to sort of detect general brain states that's part of the reason why these devices are marketed in the sense of their um, concentration or helping with concentration helping with meditation they can register and track general brain states it can't get really specific just because of location. I mean, you, you have a sensor that's sitting, you know, on your forehead or on your scalp and you've got skin in the way, you've got scalp in the way. So it's only going to be able to pick up surface level activity. Still amazing. Well, the one that impressed me was the flying the drones with their mind. Like, mm -hmm. how do you go up, down, left, right? Like, I can't, I couldn't fly a remote control helicopter when I had sight. Right. You know, how do you do it with your mind? How do you focus that intently to keep it aloft? It just, it's amazing. Yeah, I definitely think that would take a lot of training because the, uh, the first time I watched the video, I think last week, um, my first thought was, I don't think I could ever focus my mind enough <laughs> to do that. Like, I don't know if I have, you know, problems focusing per se, but it's, yeah, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, over time, the more you train, the better you get. Like yeah, anything, for sure. Right? But, yeah, it would be really interesting to actually put one on, track your brain activity for a week, and just look at it afterwards yeah. and go, wow, mm -hmm. I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I really focus better in the morning, so this is when I'm going to do all my work, and I'll sleep in the afternoon. Yeah. That's right. You know, it'd be really interesting data to look at. Well, and if it can, it can, if it can track even, like, say, emotional states, I mean – that could have potential for people who who say suffer from depression, depression or yeah. you know you can you can just you can track over time and just see how you're doing or mm -hmm. or or somebody else can see how you're doing or mm -hmm. you know there there are sort of 
certainly are medicinal applications of this yep. um, as well. So there's a lot of potential. But, I mean, that being said, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about the limitations of these devices. I have to say, I also read a crazy article um, about a couple researchers that were using these headsets and what they've done. i got to read you guys this because this is crazy. Um, let's see. So an international team of researchers were able to use – oh, here's this word again. Okay, Rachel, you're going to jump in. <laughs> the electroencephalography. Oh, I love that. To convert the words <laughs> hola and chow from a person's brain waves into binary. That data was transmitted from a subject in India to another subject in France where the process was successfully reversed. In other words, the researchers say they've created a brain-to-brain -brain communication system. Right, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier, the BCI, the brain-computer interface, and the receiver end is the computer-brain interface. And in between is the computer processing all that data, the mind ascending it. That's right. Pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing, especially when you consider, really, the brain is a computer. Yep. And it's all you got to do is figure out a way to decode the brain signals into data that the computer then recognizes and then back again, decode it back into the brain. So essentially, these guys have done that. Let me, let me re go on. In their study, the researchers decided to close the brain-computer control loop by putting another brain on the other end of the system to receive the signals processed by the computer interface. After the words were encoded, the result was automatically emailed to France, where another computer interface decoded them and sent the binary signals into the information receiver's brain via non-evasive electrical stimulation that appeared as flashes of light in the corner of their vision. The thing to take away from this is, you know, they are working on being able to send email thoughts. Yeah, I mean, brain-to-brain -brain communication. So this is stuff that they're working on. I mean, this, this is not science fiction anymore. This is, they're actively working on it, and they're figuring it out. I mean, it's, all this stuff is, is really in its infancy, but it's there. Okay, so that's EEG devices. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper, and this is, this is where we really start to get into some sci-fi stuff. <laughs> See, it, it is kind of too bad that Steve missed this, this episode, because yeah, I think he would have liked it. He'd geek out all over it. <laughs> he would he would have geeked out all over this, but uh, that's okay. We saved the sports one for him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, this next bit of tech, this is something called the BrainGate Neural Interface System. So these guys have been around for about ten years, and this thing is just a full-on BCI, um, which which stands for what, Ryan? Brain Computer Interface. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and this isn't something this this isn't something that's available via you know anything. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't buy one of these on Amazon. You can't have a surgeon come to your house and install the chip into your brain because that's that's exactly what this is. Basically, it's technology that involves surgically implanting a chip onto the brain, and specifically, usually, it's the motor cortex. But it's implanted just below the skull, and this thing is about is only just a couple millimeters square. It's probably like the size of a grain of rice. Yeah, maybe a little bigger, a little bigger, bigger. Yeah. bigger than that. But what happens is the chip gets fed electrical impulses from the brain, 
and then feeds that information back into a computer, which is then able to decode it and translate that into relevant actions. So what that means is that someone who has this chip implanted is able to be connected to the system and able to control some sort of AT just by thinking about it. The video that, that we have shows, shows this woman who's able to basically control a, um, a prosthetic arm that's sort of mounted on a table, and she's able to sort of move it up, use it, grip it, bring it up to her mouth so that she could have a drink of coffee. Um, she, it also showed her using a, a mouse, or, a, well, sorry, being able to move a cursor. It was a different a guy, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Same, but it's the same technology. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so they also showed um, somebody else using this, this system to be able to move a cursor on a computer screen and open email and double click. And again, you know, used as, a, as an alternate access method merely by using their mind. Part of the issues with this, with this technology, of course, is the fact that, well, for one, you have to have invasive surgery done and have a chip mounted in your brain, which not a lot of people are going to actually... But they were saying a lot of that's actually routine surgery nowadays because they're using these chips also to control epileptic seizures. Oh, really? I haven't heard yeah. that. Yeah. So this is pretty routine surgery. Really? So they can just put a chip in your brain and that's considered routine surgery now? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Things yeah. have changed since I got yeah. my tonsils out. Yeah, take a look <laughs> at epileptic seizures and, and chips, and they're using them to control seizures. Well, that's interesting that you say that, because if that's the case, then, I mean, the other, the other thing you'll notice when you watch the video of the downside is that there's a, there's a plug that is essentially plugged into the, the chip that has to feed into the chip, and that is wired to a computer that then does all this decoding, which is a, which was a big downside too, because you have to be you have to be connected to this thing. But they've now developed a wireless version of it, so that while you you, you still have to have some sort of a I guess it would be a transmitter uh, plugged into your head, it could be wireless. So you could have some range of you know of of mobility. You wouldn't necessarily have to be plugged in with wires to this thing. So I mean, again, it's it's becoming they're just all they're doing is refining the technology to a degree where maybe this could become commonplace yeah and i think you know they talk a, a little bit about you know there would be some maintenance involved because of scarring and does the chip need to be replaced every so often you know i don't know if you've ever had an embedded object in your arm or your leg or whatever but it scars over right and your body it's a foreign object your body will reject it a lot of times during lung transplants, heart transplants, the body rejects that. So it's a foreign object. The body's not going to necessarily accept that. Right. So do they just have like an open hole in their head or like how does that work? I think so. I, wow. I, I guess that's, yeah, I'm a little fuzzy on that too. Yeah. I, don't I know. didn't really think about that till now. Because but... like they'd have to cut open your skull to put right. a chip in. They'd have to remove a piece of your exactly. skull. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And screw yeah. it back down, and yeah. then there's time to change the batteries. <laughs> you know, they'd have to open you up again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that all works. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Duct tape. Duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Fixes everything. Yep. It does. But I mean, clearly, you know, this this type of technology is is sort of what's exciting in terms of AT, uh, because 
this could result in, you know, the ultimate uh, alternate access method, right? Well, like we've talked about before, you know, you have a quadriplegic or somebody who's totally locked in and can only move their eyes. Well, their mind is totally there. Mm -hmm. They're just unable to verbally speak their mind or express themselves through motions of any sort. So a product like this, absolutely, they could use their mind to control the computer, to send an email, to use a communication device to say, I'm hungry or I'm tired. Um, it's huge, huge opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in the next 20, 30, 50 years, this could be something that is completely groundbreaking and just changes everything in terms of that, especially the brain-to-brain -brain stuff. I mean, yeah, if you had somebody who could actually just communicate, hey, I'm hungry. Yeah, I think that's still quite a ways off. Oh, absolutely. That's still a ways off. There's a whole a whole bunch of societal issues that will have to be taken into consideration. Yeah, well, absolutely. Or even just how to do it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you think about you think about brain-to-brain -brain communication. Say I want to communicate a thought to Ryan. Instead of saying, hey, Ryan, what's for lunch? I'm in my office. I'm just going to send him a thought. Well, how, how does that work? Like, do I, is there like a transmit button or do I think, okay, because obviously he's not tied into my brain exactly. all the time. So I want to like basically call his brain and say, hey, what's for lunch? <laughs> how, how is that going to work? Maybe the chip will have LTE. Maybe. 4G Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, is there going to be brain voicemail? Like, it's going to be like, well, I don't feel like answering this thought right now. So I'm just going to let yeah. it go to, go to brain mail. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff that they have to figure out. But certainly from an AT perspective, uh, this stuff's really exciting. I mean, this could mean the end of, um, you know, alternate communication as we know it. Because it could just provide provide people who are cut, who, whose brains essentially are cut off from their body to still be able to function, still be able to communicate just like anybody else can. In any case, this brain gate stuff, and again, look at the, watch the video. It, it, the, the video is pretty amazing, but this this thing's not anywhere near ready to, you know, we're not be something. ready to do the Vulcan mind meld yet. No, <laughs> no, we we're not years and years away <laughs> from this this really being something that would be a common medical practice or even an uncommon medical mm -hmm. practice. I mean, this stuff is all very much in trials. They're still figuring it out. They seem to still be having sort of mixed results with it. But, you know, we saw this morning, we watched a, a video or a, a bit of a clip on somebody who is able to flick a rat's tail with their mind. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's pretty crazy what they can do. What's next? The limb. The, pro yes. the modular prosthetic the modular. limb. Modular. That's a fancy word. It is. It is, but holy crap, is this cool. <laughs> I just it. call it RoboArm. Yeah, that's totally what they should have called it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about it. So, yeah, the modular prosthetic limb. This thing is being developed by Johns Hopkins University, the Applied Physics Laboratory. And they've been working on this thing since, ah, I think it's been about 10 years now. Uh Yep, 10 years and $120 million later. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, let's go to the beginning. So there's this guy by the name of, of uh, Johnny Matheny. So in 2005, he is diagnosed with cancer in his left arm, 
And it's so aggressive that around 2008, they amputate the arm right below the elbow. Uh, so at some point, I guess he applies and he gets um, accepted to be a guinea pig for these guys. And what results? I, uh, I think this is just incredible. So they take, they take the arm and they do what's called osteointegration, which is basically they take this implant and they attach it to, the, to his actual skeleton on his stump. So if you look at his stump, it basically looks like there's a small steel rod coming out of the stump. This implant then attaches to the modular prosthetic limb, which is essentially a robotic arm. That's the first part. So the first part is he goes in for surgery. He gets this implant attached to his skeleton. That's the first surgery. Now, keep in mind, this guy's the first person that, that's, he's like number one, patient zero. This has never been done before. So they attach this thing to his skeleton and then they have to go into his, his stump and they have to rearrange the nerve endings in his stump in a certain way where the arm used to be. So from there, they're able to, to connect this robotic limb and using what's called, what are called uh, wireless myobands, which are just these bands that, and you can actually buy these. These, these are definitely on the market. They're just... They're bands that you wear that allow you to do things like gesture control. So you can, for example, you can put them on and you can train your TV to turn on every time you, you know, uh, push forward or slight or, or wave your arm to the right or whatever. It's just, it, it, it's all just motion control and, and gesture control. So they put these bands around his stump where they've done all the, all the nerve ending surgery. So these wires, or these bands, rather, send signals to the arm so that if he thinks about moving his pinky a certain way, it moves the nerve ending his arm, arm the myoband picks that up and then moves the pinky on the, on the robotic limb so that he's able to really control the limb just like he would his real arm. Well, because it's modular too, he could snap on and snap off different attachments as well. Too, well, right? mm -hmm. so. yeah, I, I don't think they've quite got to that point. I mean, <laughs> ah, it's not far. Well, it's it's not far. I mean, and they still have a lot of work to do. I mean, he he talks about in the video just how much training he has he had to undergo mm -hmm. to really make the arm work. And even in the video, you can see it's not, you know, it's it's not anywhere near a hundred percent. Still pretty cool, though. It's amazing. It is amazing when you think about he has he doesn't have anything attached to his brain, nothing. I mean, he's he's essentially and he's and he just has these wireless armbands on his arm, and he's able to to really use this limb. So, who know you know in the future he's essentially a cyborg mm -hmm. at this point. They uh, also talk about. You know, wanting to add, I don't know how they would do this. We were kind of discussing this earlier, but they want to make it so that he, at one point, can possibly, you know, feel textures and temperatures and um, like how hard something is or how soft something is. Um, but I think, I mean, we obviously have no idea how it actually all works, but um, I would think they need some type of 
skin, something that mimicked skin yeah. and then connect the nerves to that in order to have that work. But I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. As if, as if making a robot arm isn't cool enough. Yeah. They want They want to make it so that the arm can talk to him and he can, you know, he can register heat and texture. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Who knows how they're going to do that. Yeah. They didn't really detail it in the video. Um, and th this video is actually pretty recent. It's, it's just from last year, but, um, incredible to say the least what they can do. And then, I mean, there are the ethical implications of it all too, that we were talking about That's right. also earlier. Like for example, there's one part in the video where uh, I guess one of the scientists or whoever, you know, he says to her, do you trust me? And then he goes to shake her hand with the robotic arm. Right. And I mean, how easy would it be for something that I assume is made of titanium or some other equally strong metal, um, you know, to break her hand or anything for that matter? Like that having, like you said, some type of cyborg <laughs> human. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of scary because we don't know what that's capable of. Like they never really mentioned that. That's we don't right. know. Yeah. You don't you know, know how strong that arm actually is. Yeah. Or if we start having people with robotic limbs. How do you, how do you, how do you gauge how strong that is? Or do you, do you dial that down? Is that something that the user can control? But still though, I mean, obviously bones are very strong, but having you know a limb made of metal or i don't do we know exactly what it's made of does, does no it say? they don't they don't say probably titanium i would think right i would think so something yeah but anyway um that's obviously one of the strongest materials out there you know you wouldn't be concerned about breaking it the same way that you'd be worried about breaking your arm or your leg so yeah, my point right. being is you know, that, that would make you feel some sort of invincibility. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bob, run me over with the car. <laughs> Just run me over. No, hit me though. This is really cool. Watch this. So yeah, that's another side of it though, to consider. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, God, I mean, that would, that could be a whole different podcast. You know, the whole sci-fi superhero mutant thing is already happening. We've got bionic eye transplants that are being done. We've got bionic limbs. We've got the pacemakers. We've got man and machine merging now. Mm -hmm. That's so true. It's already happening. Well, and you know, we didn't even talk any about that in when our, in our brain to brain conversation and the implications about blindness, right? Like we talked a little bit about this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you're able to send a signal to the brain without using the eye, like if you're able to basically see through somebody else's eyes or, or have a signal from, say, a camera sent directly into the visual cortex, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about eliminating, eliminating blindness. Yeah. And again, you know, as I was saying, it would be interesting to have studies done on people who are born blind and people who lost their sight later in life and just hmm. actually see what the acceptance levels are like because people I've talked to that have been born blind. Some of them don't want their sight back because they've never seen. Yeah. They, they know their world as it is. Mm -hmm. um, me, myself, you know, only being blind 21 years, or 21 years, um, you know, sure. I, I think I would love to have my sight back and be able to drive a car again and ride a bike and do all that sort of stuff. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where this research goes and if actually studies are going to be done on people with blindness or visual impairments. Absolutely. But I mean, even think of it as an option. You could even have it, it wouldn't be necessarily something that would have to be 
something that needs surgery. If they could, if you could slip on a basically a headband that basically sends a signal from a camera into your visual cortex, and it's literally a matter of just being able to slip it on and off, you could have the option. You could be like, today I'm, you know, I'm gonna go biking and see, and then <laughs> slip it off, and hey, I'm back to normal. And again, that's a ways off. You Absolutely. Know, the stuff they're doing now with, I think, camera implants are only giving people the vision of shapes. You know, you're not seeing distinct faces. Right. That type of quality. So it's still a ways away. It is. It is. So this is something they're actually looking into, though. Because I guess it makes mm -hmm. sense. I mean, your eyes are, yeah, just cameras that yeah, transmit right. images to a certain part of your brain. And yeah. Yep. And like with me, my optic nerve was severed, and you know, without the optic nerve, there's no visual signals going to my brain. Right. Right. There's no stimulus there, so mm -hmm. they'd have to bypass the optic nerve and go straight into the visual cortex. Mm -hmm. And you know, sure, I'm game for it, depending on the risks. Are, <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. You know, I don't want to lose my life just as a research project. Mm -hmm. Come on. Nope. Not going to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure about you do cupping. <laughs> I didn't say I do cupping. <laughs> it's amazing what they're doing. Um, you know, it's it's really just a matter of uh, figuring out the language of the brain and, and how it works. And, you know, it, it's all just electricity in there. It's all just electrical signals. Everything that you do, every... I mean, part of this EEG things, like the, the emotive headsets, for example, you put one of those on... It can track what you're doing with your face. So if you're smiling, if you're winking, if you're, um, you know, looking left, looking right, it knows what you're doing because it's because your brain pattern looks a specific way when you're doing any one of those actions. Right. That's incredible to me. And I mean, you know, heck. Again, you know, I wish Steve was here because he would geek out with me over this. But just think <laughs> about, you know, the applications for, like, say, video games, right? With the with the onset of virtual reality right now, if you combined a virtual reality with one of these headsets and slip it on, essentially, you're not even using a controller. You're just using your mind to navigate the in the the world as you would normally. Like, well, and one of those videos that we watched earlier was talking about how monkeys had a headset on. And they were controlling a robotic arm using a joystick, using their mind. At one point, the monkey learned they didn't need to use the joystick anymore and could control the arm using just their mind. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild that, yeah, you can learn to move objects through space with your mind. Yeah. You don't mm -hmm. need a physical switch or joystick or yeah. whatever. Um, it's, it's mind control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, like I said, the possibilities in the AT world for that. I mean, I really feel like that's that's the next phase. That's where things are going. Yeah. The only downside is going to be the research dollars to go into that. You know, there's going to take a lot of money. That one we talked about, $120 million. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money for an AT company to come up with. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah it is. But, you know, luckily, I mean, you know, and not to get dive too far into the universal design versus mm -hmm. you know, assistive technology discussion. But luckily, a lot of this heavy lifting is being done by these companies that are marketing, say, these EEG devices as mainstream devices. Right. Um, 
you know, they're, they're the ones developing the technology. All that AT really needs to do is just take that and then make an app that, say, can control a mouse cursor using, you know, using a Muse headset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all these companies, especially the, the EEG um, devices, all these companies all have, you know, developers kits. Yep. And people are actively developing for them especially as they grow in popularity, which you might find in the next five years. These things might become more and more commonplace. Um, and you're going to have more people developing for it, and who knows uh, what gets developed. Just think, I mean, it could be the next the next version of Dragon Naturally Speaking could just forego the, the speech-to-text and just thought-to-text. Possible. Although that would, be, that would be a really weird stream-of-consciousness email. Yeah, or even think about your phone. You know, think about dialing us to somebody's number, and yeah. next thing you know, you're in touch with them. Yeah, picture their face you know. in their in your head, and so now there's no more pocket in. dialing. <laughs> That's right. There's thought dialing. Thought dialing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I actually didn't sorry, mean to phone you. I, just, I, I, was, I was remembering last Friday when we went on that drinking binge, and it, and it called you. Sorry. <laughs> Thought I lost your number. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible for exes, right? Oh, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you're thinking about me, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I had a few beers. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. Interesting times. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the potential there is unlimited. So did you look at the article I sent you on the Fitbit and the... Ten sensors the guy wore and how accurate and inaccurate the differences no, were. No, did you send me that? Yeah, I thought I emailed that to you. I, I, you know, maybe you have to email me that again because right. that's, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in that. Because that is interesting because none of this stuff is regulated either. No, no, none yeah. of it. They can say that, oh, yeah, you're using a lot of your theta waves and delta waves and you're not focusing. <laughs> you have no idea if that's actually accurate. Oh, absolutely. What, the Fitbit? Well, well, tell her the story. Well, I saw a news article, or, or saw it on the news a week or so ago, where somebody tested a Fitbit, an Apple iWatch, a Garmin, an Android exercise monitor. Okay, thing, right? yeah. So like a Fitbit. Right. And he tracked his steps and his calories burned, and the differences were very, very big. Oh, really? Like one hmm. Fitbit, it said he walked, I don't know, 75 steps. The Garmin said he walked 102. The Android one said he walked 54. Wow. Like the differences were scary. Yeah. And especially as health concerned people who are using these things yeah. to track their calories and stuff. Yeah. Like it's these things good. are not accurate. No. And they're not accurate at all. And so you have to take it all with a grain of salt. And huh, that's you interesting. Know, some will do better than others and have been tested to do better than others, but one is not necessarily the same as the next. Well, and people do take those seriously. There's they like do. so many people have them. They're like, oh, guess yep. how much I walk today. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And they could be off by 30 steps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm, And I'm sure these fall into the same category. I mean, you're going to get yeah. false readings. You're going to get, I mean, oh, who what? knows how accurate. I mean, I don't know. Your skull could be thicker than my skull. Well, I know that. Right. <laughs> so your sensitivity yep. readings may not be as accurate as mine. Right. And vice versa. Yes, that's right. So... One size doesn't fit all. No. No. But still, wearable tech. It's where it's at. And cupping. <laughs> you got to look up cupping. Those are the two big, big topics for 2016. 
Well, once yep. this is done, YouTube cupping. I don't think I want to Google that at work because I feel like <laughs> no, it's, it's it's something. Just do it on the TV here. No. no, no yes. Okay. Well, we will after the show. All right. We got to get this thing put to bed. All right. Good night, show. Well, that brings us to I think what will be the end of yet another episode. Uh, hopefully, we didn't uh, muddle the waters here, and we're able to gain a little give you a little bit of insight into some of these devices. Like I said, if, if any of this stuff interests you, your best bet, follow some of the links that will be in the show notes. Go see some of this stuff for yourself. Um, but I think it's pretty exciting. What do you think, Ryan? I do indeed. Ryan is very excited. I can see it. Very excited. <laughs> Can't wait. And Rachel is certainly excited because her her sentence to sit in on the podcast is almost over. She yes. can go back to her desk. No, it wasn't that bad. It's actually really interesting. Great. Well, yep. it's going to be your generation. No, that's, exactly. That's you know, it, It's true. Yeah. You're going to have to live with the cyborgs, that's not right. us. <laughs> that's okay. Cyborgs and resource wars. Yep. Enjoy yeah. them. Well, way to make it sound way more bleak than, than it has to. We're just jealous because by then we'll be, yeah, we'll be in it. old age homes. Yeah. Although, who knows? Maybe we, by then we might have be yeah. able to have all our organs replaced. And live to be 150 or something. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, would you really want we'll that? Have, yes. Maybe. Really? I guess we'll see what the future's just, like. Just put oh. my head on a robot. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I'm down with that. I remember back in the 80s <laughs> when we did nothing but... Played Pac-Man and had our Atari game system. Oh, really? I thought it was all parties and cocaine. <laughs> That's right. Rob and I had different lives. <laughs> no, not really. He's a couple years older than I, I just, am. I just watched Miami Vice a lot. Anyways, all right. So, how can people get in touch with us? Uh, you know, I believe they could email us at atbanterpodcast at gmail.com, but they could also go to our website, which is www.atbanter.com. And they, what else can they do? Oh, yeah, we, they could go to our Facebook page. They could. They could follow us on Twitter. They could. Or Google+. And heck, they could even go to the Aroga Technologies website, which is www.aroga.com. We also have a YouTube channel they can subscribe to. And we even have Google Plus, but nobody goes there, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting lots of email from Google Plus. Are you? Yeah. You're getting email from Google Plus, though, like from people that are related to the disability category you put us in. Really? Yeah. Are you, we, wait, what? Really? Oh, yeah. You're getting email from those <laughs> people? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Saying what? Oh, just this dif different disability topics. Oh, okay. I see. So not emailing you directly. You're just getting an, a feed for the news feed. I don't know because they're from different people. It's not the same person. Uh, you have time. to show me some of those because yeah. I have a hard time believing that, <laughs> All right. that Google Plus page is paying off in any way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out because I don't want Google to come after us. We have Microsoft right. is already. Hey, so what are we talking about uh, next week, Ryan? Next week we have a very special guest, Brian Hartgen from JSA. Oh, excellent. Well, that'll be interesting. It will be interesting because I really don't know anything about Brian. I just know he's been in the industry a long, long time. And gives people access to their computers using speech. Wow. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, I will have to be here for that. You will be here for that. I know. It's good. <laughs> I have to be because it's my job. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I have been Robin O. And I've been Ryan Flurry. And I'm Rachel Nolan. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.